from the newsroom of the Washington Post. Washington Post, this is Colby. Yeah. Hello, 老师你好，我是华盛顿邮报记者施嘉。Hi, it's Stephanie McCrumman from the Washington Post. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, March twenty-fifth. Today, President Trump says that he's vindicated by the Mueller report, but Democrats in Congress are preparing for a battle. Plus, food stamp aid for Puerto Rico. Two years, nineteen lawyers, forty FBI agents, twenty-eight hundred subpoenas. I think Democrats and the liberal media owe the president, and they owe the American people an apology. There was no collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 election, and the Attorney General confirmed there was no obstruction of justice. It was a false narrative. It was, it was a terrible thing.、Uh, we can never let this happen to another president again. I can tell you that, and I say it very strongly.、Uh, very few people I know could have handled it. We can never, ever let this happen to another president again. For over two years, it was the darkest cloud of his presidency. White House reporter Josh Dossie says that this is just the start of the president's victory lap. I cover the White House for the Washington Post. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigation found no coordination between President Trump's 2016 campaign and Russia, but the report didn't fully exonerate Trump on charges of obstruction. And since we've only seen a four-page summary of Mueller's report so far, there are still a lot of questions. We swung by Josh's desk in the newsroom to learn more. So, how is President Trump reacting to this news? Gleefully, for one word, the president yesterday stood underneath the wing of Air Force One within an hour of it being released and said that he wanted an investigation of his enemies. He also、uh, was quite thrilled that Mueller had agreed with his long-standing defiant mantra that there was no collusion. It was just announced. There was no collusion with Russia. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction, and none whatsoever. To explain how elated he was last night, he went in the cockpit for the landing of Air Force One at Andrews to celebrate with his pilot. So, if that tells you the exuberance that is being shown by the president, I think that's the best example maybe yet. And he's been talking about it today too. Correct. He has had several、uh, events today where he has touted the findings after saying that Bob Mueller was the corrupt and conflicted leader of 17 angry Democrats. Today, the president said he was an honorable man, which was an interesting change of tune. Wonder why? The president has certainly taken his victory lap today, and you can imagine that he will continue doing this for many days, if not months, if not years to come. Because he's already been sending out that message to supporters that the Mueller report confirmed the idea that there was no collusion and that this is something that he seems to be wanting to talk about a lot now. Sure, a number of his top advisers were either arrested or pleaded guilty or lied about their interactions with Russians. 
dozens of Russians were indicted. Obviously, they will never come to court here, but were indicted for interfering in the election and trying to help President Trump. There was a lot of evidence that showed bad behavior towards the president, and there was concern by folks in his orbit that either the findings would be more damaging yesterday or that Mueller or uh, Attorney General Bill Barr would delineate a strong case for obstruction, all the actions the president took to try to end or stop the investigation. But that didn't happen. The findings, by all accounts, were kind of a best-case scenario. And and for the president, who's really been dogged by this from day one, you can't overstate, really, how much excitement you see today. But also, I mean, he's complained for a long time that we spend too much time talking about the Mueller report. And now it seems like this is going to be a thing that he wants to talk about, that he wants to bring up with supporters about how he was unfairly maligned. Well, of course, for two years There have been lingering questions, critiques, criticisms, deeply really concerns about, you know, the behavior that his people took in relation to Russian nationals, in relation to the campaign, the efforts to release emails, to spread disinformation online. And and now the president can say, you know, this investigator, Bob Mueller, that you put so much confidence in that you venerated, had two years he did you know, 2,800 subpoenas. He had 500 interviews. He asked 13 foreign countries for documents. He did a thorough investigation and you found nothing, or at least along the lines of conspiracy with Russia. But But no, but on the lines of conspiracy with Russia, you found nothing that directly tied me to the actions. And he actually found a lot. He found a lot of Trump's people behaved unscrupulously, behaved illegally. A number of them are, are in jail for that. But For the president, it was a vindication, so to speak, because for two years, people have accused him of being, you know, basically Putin's stooge at times, right? And do you think that this is going to play out for him well on the campaign trail as he ramps up his reelection? Almost certainly. I mean, for his base and his supporters, it will be kind of a rallying cry, uh, no collusion, look at all of this. I mean, you heard his messaging last night, right? He said, the most insane thing I've ever heard of, colluding with Russia, right? I think what you're going to see him do is try to weaponize the fact that he was not directly tied to these actions to frequently talk about, see, the media says this about me, the Democrats say this about me, these things aren't true either. Look at this thing they perpetuated for two years. Now, there are lots of holes on that argument, but you, we often know the president campaigns in broad brushes, and for his supporters, they often love that. So, politics aside, there are still questions on sure. the table. What are they? The report that was released yesterday, they took no position on whether the president obstructed justice or not. In fact, it said explicitly, this is not an exoneration, nor uh, is it, we're accusing him. It basically said there was facts on both sides. And I think what my colleagues and I are, are going to be trying to discern in the next few days is what are those facts? Why didn't Special Counsel Bob Mueller, after almost two years, decide if what the president did was obstructive, was parallel to a crime, right? He, he didn't. He kind of left an open-ended question. And, you know, we know a lot about these actions from firing James Comey to pressuring Attorney General Jeff Sessions to quizzing witnesses to uh, all sorts of things the president did. And I think the legal and the legal questions on the table are, why did that not amount to obstruction? What's the theory of that? And there could be many, but we're going to be poking around on that a lot. Josh Dossie covers the White House for The Post. 
They are noting the summary of Mueller's report that was delivered to them yesterday. And they are saying, okay, we want to hear from the attorney general and we want to see the full report. Karen Demergent is a congressional reporter. I cover national security issues on Capitol Hill for The Post, including much of this Russia probe. And Karen says that Democrats in Congress are just getting started when it comes to their investigation of Robert Mueller's investigation. So now, Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her caucus in the House are turning their attention to Attorney General William Barr and Robert Mueller. And they're saying... We want to see all the underlying documents, because that's very nice that this is the Attorney General's conclusions, but it is not the Mueller report, and it's not the evidence Mueller saw. They are focusing also much of their attention on the obstruction of justice question, because that seems to be the one window that Mueller really did leave open. He did not make a judgment call himself on whether things that the president said and did amounted to obstruction. The attorney general then said, I don't think there was ill intent here. So he made that judgment call. But again, they've already made very clear that they don't trust Attorney General Barr's judgment. They want to see what Mueller said in his report. And then the next thing they're going to ask for is what Mueller saw before he wrote that report. What was the evidence that he was actually scrutinizing? That further vetting could all happen in the House committees that are already investigating President Trump and his 2016 campaign. On the House side, you've got any manner of things that are being covered by the, let's see if I can remember them all, Intelligence Committee, Judiciary Committee, Oversight Committee, Financial Services Committee, House Committee on Foreign Affairs, and the Ways and Means Committee. Ways and Means is going to, I did it. Ah, see? That was, a, that was amazing. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's old hat at this point. But, you know, you always are like, okay, wait, six, can I get all six of them straight? So this is going to cover everything from the Ways and Means Committee looking into Trump's tax returns to the Judiciary Committee looking at questions of obstruction and potential public corruption and, and wrongdoing, abuse of power, to the Financial Services Committee looking at Trump's businesses and the Deutsche Bank loans and things like that, to you know Foreign Affairs looking into the, his various warm relationships with countries that we've considered adversaries for a long time. And then the Intelligence Committee, though, is really where the big Russia questions were going to be tackled in terms of potential collusion, in terms of whether there was financial leverage that was part of any sort of either money laundering or a sort of quid pro quo arrangement that Russia tried to get going. That is potentially compromised by what the summary of Mueller's report has shown, because Barr is so insistent. He says in great detail at least three times in that less than four page letter that there was no, he saw no signs that there was actual attempts at a conspiracy here, even if the Russians extended the olive branch so the Trump people didn't take it. So nothing to see here on that front. So that House intelligence investigation, that one has really been undermined. But these other investigations might be ongoing. Potentially, potentially. It's complicated. That's a question that Intel is going to have to answer about. Do they just go full steam ahead or do they kind of recalibrate? I think judiciary has already made it very clear that they're going full steam ahead. They're going to look into this obstruction question. They want to have Barr testify. House Democrats as a whole are saying, we want to see the full report. We want to see all the underlying evidence. What they actually see trickle out of this, what's going to be an arm wrestle with the DOJ, undoubtedly, is going to inform the various lines of inquiry that each of those probes can take. So it seems like from the limited amount of stuff that we have, which is Barr's summary of the top line findings, the people that that challenges the most is the intel investigation. It leaves a door open for anybody looking at obstruction and it doesn't actually address most of the other things that the other panels are looking into. But... Whether that's actually going to be something that Democrats accept as a final word, 
they're never going to do that until they see everything that they want to see. And there's a long way to go before they do. And one of the things that could potentially be happening in the next few weeks or months is bringing Attorney General Barr to Congress to testify. What is the likelihood that that will happen? And if it does happen, what will House Democrats be asking? I think it's probably pretty high, the likelihood that he comes down. I mean, Barr is supposed to show up on the Hill, you know, at least once a year to the committees that he answers to, to answer questions about various oversight topics. And he did say that he was going to try to be as transparent as possible. Now, while that doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to give them every classified document without a real fight, it does probably mean that he will show up and talk to them at some point. The question is, at what point? Will they have the full report in their hands before he actually does do that? They have not agreed on a date. There's there's discussions about that ongoing right now. They've spent two years almost defending, praising to the heavens Mueller and his work. And they don't want to backtrack on that. You know, they still think that there might be something there that he found they can use. So right now, if there's a boogeyman in this situation, it's it's Barr because it's his interpretation that they have. And they haven't trusted his interpretation since before he was attorney general. Remember the whole fight over his confirmation was about, was he too biased for this? Did he already have opinions about obstruction of justice? This is the attorney general of the United States, in my view, attempting to shape the narrative on the obstruction of justice claim. We don't want this determination being made by the attorney general who's appointed by this president. And some could argue was appointed specifically because of his view on the expansive power of the executive and the likelihood that a president can't ever commit obstruction. And how about Mueller? Is there any chance that he might come before Congress? Because I think that there's criticism of the idea that Mueller's takeaway on obstruction of justice was maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. We can't, you know, exonerate him or say for sure that he did this. And and I think that there are a lot of Democrats who are wondering, you know, why couldn't you come up with a harder conclusion on this? Yeah, I think there are a lot of Democrats who are also going to want to ask him, why didn't you really fight to bring the president in for a direct face to face interview? Why did you just rely on his written questions? You could have settled some of these questions if you'd heard him in his own words explain what his intention was behind any number of the things that he said and did that are probably part of the evidence that he was looking at when he was making this judgment call. Again, we don't know exactly what that was yet. But these are open questions that Democrats have had for a while. There is a desire to bring him in, at least to bring him in to talk to the Intelligence Committee. I don't think it's going to be as easy to get Mueller to come down to the Hill as it would to get Barr to come down to the Hill. Definitely something that lawmakers want to do in some fashion. Up until this point, I think that Nancy Pelosi has towed somewhat of a fine line when it comes to talk of impeachment, right? She has been encouraging various committees to continue with investigations. But at the same time, when people have been asking her about the prospect of impeaching the president, she said, quote, it's just not worth it and has been resistant to making that like a top line promise of her tenure as speaker. If the Mueller report comes back with information, I don't think we should impeach a president for political reasons. And I don't think we should not impeach a president for political reasons. But you have to be ironclad in terms of your facts. So at this point, is impeachment talk completely off the table or is there still a chance that that is something that Democrats will want to pursue? I think you will always have some Democrats, the Democrats who are in the safer seats, the Democrats who are on the more liberal end of the party, especially if they think that they can prove something on obstruction. There will be some voices still saying the impeachment word. I do not think that you are going to have any buy-in from the Democratic leaders on that right now. Their standard was we have to prove this is something that can have a bipartisan backing. Otherwise, it's not going to work. I mean, you have to impeachment is very nice if you can declare it in the House. And then if it goes nowhere in the Senate, you've got a failed impeachment. And that's 
very difficult politically to answer for in 2020. It can blow up in your face. Impeachments have blown up in people's faces. I mean, remember the Clinton years, you know, like the mm. things do not necessarily always work that well. If you decide that you're going to go for impeachment, it, it's like one thing to rally around, but it does not actually get him out of office. It does not actually convince any of Trump's you know, allies or even his not allies in the GOP that there's a reason to kick him out. And with this being the baseline now, it seems extremely, extremely unlikely that they will go there. Does it mean you will never hear another Democrat say the word? Of course, you're going to hear another Democrats say the word somewhere, but it's not going to be from anybody near Pelosi's inner circle. And to what extent do you think congressional Democrats will be looking at what Americans want to hear about when they think about how to pursue these investigations? Because I think that there is a sense that when it comes to the Mueller report, a lot of average Republicans and Democrats like started to get tired of hearing about it and hearing about collusion. And that's just not what they care about. I do not think that you're going to hear any sort of slowdown or ramp down from the people who support Trump. This is a win for them as far as they're concerned. You are not going to hear the end of it from the GOP that is very loyal to Trump. That's going to keep it in the discussion because anytime Fox is talking about it, usually Trump is listening, Trump is tweeting. That means that people are reacting, which means we will continue to talk about this, even if we have nothing more substantive to talk about in the near term. And it's not unless people start to see people tuning out or poll numbers flagging. Until when you see that, it's going to keep being out there. And as much as individual candidates on the campaign trail and the Democratic Party might want to get away from it at this point, the fact that it's going to keep being out there means they're going to have to keep answering to it. It's not going to be the number one issue that anybody campaigns on or is going to want to campaign on, but it's also not going to completely go away. Karin Demergen covers Congress for The Post. Now, one more thing. Puerto Rico is waiting for Congress to extend food stamp funding for more than a million victims of Hurricane Maria. The funding expired at the beginning of March. Post reporter Jeff Stein went to Puerto Rico last week. So in most of the, of the states, and all of the states actually, the federal government has committed to meeting the need and funding the food stamp programs regardless of their costs. So during the Great Recession, for instance, the spending and the number of people on the food stamps program throughout the country exploded dramatically. In Puerto Rico, it's different. They took away what they gave before. She's alone. She helps the federal government only commits to funding a block grant, which is a set amount that does not rise or fall depending on demand. And that means when a natural disaster strikes or there's a recession, the food stamps program does not rise to meet that demand. And that's what we've had in this situation. When she got $200, she could help herself more. After Maria, there was an obvious need for the federal government to step in and provide funding for Puerto Rico's recovery. 
Part of that recovery effort and that recovery funding included about a billion dollars, a little more, for Puerto Rico's food stamps program to sustain it for a little over a year. However, lawmakers have known since then that that money would run out this March, and run out in March it did. That's five dollars. Mm-hmm. She would have liked to buy a bigger olive oil, olive oil for the month. But she the milk is also expensive. It's interesting because this debate over Puerto Rico's food stamps program has really not pierced the national consciousness in any way. But I went to a few supermarkets in poor neighborhoods in Puerto Rico, and it was the topic of conversation, they said, among their families, among their friends, in some of the public housing projects in which they live. A lot of people there, especially older people, really depend on this program for their bare essentials. And I talked to a number of people who were cutting back on rice and beans, on meat, on yogurt, on milk, on things that I think most people would agree should be provided for the elderly who are too old to work and are quite scared about what happens next. Puerto Rico does not have a U.S. senator. It doesn't have a voting member in the House. It doesn't get a say in the presidential elections. And a lot of the Puerto Ricans I spoke to while there said that that was the reason that they've been, to their mind, not treated fairly in the recovery. You know, I spoke to the Puerto Rican governor, and he made this point repeatedly that You know, a senator, if he was representing Puerto Rico or if she was representing Puerto Rico, could stand up and say, I will block legislation until we resolve this issue. And the lack of political representation to a lot of Puerto Ricans is reflected in the lack of attention and care to this and other issues. Jeff Stein covers policy for The Post. Congress is expected to take up the issue of food stamp funding for Puerto Rico this week. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the show and the work that we do here, we have a special offer for you, our Post Reports listeners. A 50% discount on an unlimited digital subscription, which means you get access to our website and our apps for less than a dollar a week. Visit postreports.com offer. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.